The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. So welcome to the Four Horsemen podcast for this episode. In this episode, we're going to be following up on our previous episode uh, as we talked about, uh, is it uh, is it biblical to have kids? Is it a command to have kids? And so this episode is going to be about, okay, we have kids, now what? And so we want to be talking about uh, what our churches do as far as children and youth ministry and, and family ministry, and uh, we might even talk a little bit about uh, Bible school. So I want to begin this conversation by going around the table, and uh, each one of us serve in churches and pastors of churches, and so I want to ask what kind of children slash youth ministry you have at your church. What about at Barberville, Ben? What what do you guys have from a children and youth ministry type? So we use a, a family-centered ministry model, which basically involves the parents uh, instructing the children at home during the week. Okay. So we have a curriculum that they use um, where they do devotions at home and then we reteach those devotions uh, the following Sunday. So mom and dad teach it first at home. And then uh, the Sunday school teachers teach that during Sunday school while mom and dad are in their classes. And then on Wednesday nights in our groups, um, the parents take turns teaching the kids the lesson for that night. Um, so it's just the same lesson reinforced. It goes all the way through Scripture every three years. So this week is actually our, our uh, last one in Revelation. And then we'll restart in Genesis. So... By the time they come out of nursery, they'll cycle through it three times. Um, by the time they graduate, all the way through the scriptures. And what's the name of the? Uh, Generations of Grace is the name of the curriculum. Um, it's put out by Grace Community Church, where uh, John MacArthur is the pastor. And uh, it's a pretty uh, unknown curriculum, but we've been very happy with it. It's very affordable. Um, and it's really, really centered on helping the parents, which is a big emphasis for us. And then um, the children uh, stay in worship. Uh, with the parents on Sunday morning. And so um, on an average Sunday right now, we'll have probably about 30 kids in, no, in the kids, sanctuary. Um, we offer uh, nursery for infants and toddlers, like up to like two years old. And uh, some people do that. Some people just keep babies and stuff uh, with them. Um, we just kind of offer that as an option. Uh, we also have a mother's lounge that has the service in it. So if, if a mom feels more comfortable nursing there or, or changing a baby or something like that, she can go there and still be able to see and hear uh, the service. And then um, as far as youth ministry goes, essentially uh, once the child um, leaves middle school, we basically just view them as an adult. And so they're able to go to adult Sunday school classes. They're able to volunteer and serve in the church um, in a variety of different ways and uh, also um, participate in um, part of the small groups with the adults and things like that. And so that's kind of how we're structured right right now. What about at Pole Creek? Well, we I grew up through this, so yes, I kind of know. Yes, well, it looks like you turned out pretty well, and Derek uh, also. Did I? Did yeah. I? That's well, the you could have been a lot worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, man. But, uh, we all? But, but in all seriousness, I, I think we have seen some changes in that. Um, we're doing Gospel Project right now, 
And so it kind of flips things around from what, what Ben is talking about in that uh, the adults and the children, preschool, everybody's studying the same text on a Sunday morning. We still do age-graded uh, things. So then during the week, there is a follow-up on that for both personal and family uh, devotions that uh, parents can do. So in other words, after they get out of their um, lessons on Sunday morning, uh, then at lunchtime they can discuss, let's say the story was on Jonah and the whale, well, they'll be able to talk about that because everybody's on the, on the same page. And then throughout the week, and there's also those resources available through Lifeway that does the uh, Gospel Project. It's a three-year chronological study through the, through the Scripture with the course uh, gospel oriented uh also we have changed in that we used to uh have like quote children's church um we've drastically cut back on that where just the small young ones are going out and sometimes they don't even go out until um after the song service, and they're there for a significant part of the worship till they go out uh, themselves. So is that non-school age, or do you have an uh, age? I think through first grade, maybe, yeah. something like that. So, uh, you know, we've gradually increased the uh, age uh, or decreased the age uh, of those attending that, that service. And uh, so it's more, it's more family-oriented worship and so forth. And, it's, it, you know, it takes some adjustment. And if there are families that want to have their children out there, and we have a few, uh, you know, we we certainly are not going to pressure them to take their, their kids back to the nursery or whatever the case may be. Our student ministry is fully integrated in the service. Like last Sunday in the choir loft, it was all teenagers. Right. Uh, so um, they're involved in that. We do multi-generational music. Uh, sometimes when we got everybody up in the in the choir loft leading out in worship, and so we've tried to to move away from that segmented uh, thing to where just the kids are all doing their thing, the teenagers doing their thing, to where it's the church family as a whole resourcing the parents to disciple their children. Right. Supple- we we try to supplement what they're doing instead of being a replacement right. uh, to where the kid the uh, parents farm out the children to us the professionals to do it it's it's not worked and uh, uh and, and it will not work in this culture right Derek, what about liberty yep so on wednesday evening we have um kids classes that go on we have adult classes as well but we split up uh so we have two different classes for kids we have um like the Smaller little kids, pre-K through, I forget what age group it is, um, first grade, I think. Uh, they have their own little class. And then uh, we have older kids class for second, second through fifth grade, I believe is what that is. And as far as curriculum, uh, we don't have anything set in stone. My wife is kind of the one that oversees that. And so uh, I know that she has a curriculum. It's not the Gospel Project, and the name of it escapes me right now, but um, she sort of uh, tailors the the messages or the the lessons um, for both groups, and then uh, those are taught on Wednesday. Youth also meets as well, and we have a youth pastor that uh, 
takes care of the, the youth. And right now, uh, with the size that we are, uh, he has an incredible challenge because he has middle schoolers and high schoolers together. So that's a huge age gap. And you got a sixth grader in there with a senior, possibly. But that's the best that we can do right now. Um, so... And then on Sunday morning, of course, uh, it's the same pattern. We have Sunday school. Um, those Sunday school classes, though, are taught on a rotating basis. So we have parents. Um, we try and get parents of the children involved in the teaching process. And that way they, they take a turn um, teaching the classes. And we have uh, two, two separate classes uh, based on the age group for kids. And then the youth, they also have their Sunday school as well. Okay. So are the kids in service, did I miss that? Oh, no, I didn't even say. Uh, we used to do children's church and then um, got to the point where we were like, why are we even doing this? Because we're separating kids from the family. Right. And they're not learning anything. They're just playing games, and they're not being a part of the worship service. And it was just too much of a tax on the, yeah. on the church because people were getting burnt out on it. So... Uh, we quit doing that, and I'm glad that we did. It was a blessing, and I would definitely advocate for having as many kids as possible in your in your service um, uh, because we have, since we've done that, we've had youth and even grade school kids who have participated in the service mm-hmm. as far as being in the choir. They want to get up there, and they want to sing with the choir, or they want to sing a solo, and, hey, we, we let them run. Uh, we let the kids take up offering as part of children's uh, change, just allowing them to be integrated in the service as much as possible. Of course, we do have nursery for infants and up through uh, two years old uh, for the little toddlers and, and whatnot. But, yeah, and to follow up on that, uh, is we as well, most every Sunday there's going to be a team that's going to be reading the Scripture and doing the prayer before I preach. Uh, also, when they come into the auditorium, their phones are taken. <laughs> we make sure they all have Bibles. And then we give them, we've got lanyards that they wear and mints, and they go out among the congregation doing welcoming, making people you know, feel at home. And, uh, well, it, it gives them something to engage and something uh, something to do. So, Yeah, at, our, at Westwood, um, we... Um, we have children's church during the service. Now our kids are a part of the music all the way up. I mean, we've got pretty much all of our kids are up on the stage during the service and singing and, and a part of our worship team. And they help take up the offering and um, things of that nature. And then when it's time to preach, they go out and, and there's a, a children's church that um, I'm really, I really want our kids in the service. I understand non-school age kids maybe not being in. I get that, um, but um, but I, we're trying. I'm trying to to where what you guys are saying, where it's a family integrated service in which the kids are a part of it, participatory. And I love the idea of letting the kids read the scriptures and stuff like that. Um, once we have kids that can read well, then uh, <laughs> I'll do that. But um, but one of the things that we all have kind of hit on, and I think it's the trend. Uh, and I think it's a great trend uh, going is the family ministry. And, and, um, and one of the things that I've really been evaluating and looking at is, is that when I've talked to people about, you know, the parents discipling their children, it's their responsibility. We all know that, but almost every time that I have that conversation with other church leaders or, 
different people within the church, the pushback is always, well, you know, the parents won't do that. You know, there's parents that won't do that. You know, we have uh, non-believers who come to the church and they won't disciple their kids. So we have to do it. So why do you guys think that the church, and, and I'm glad we're all moving away from it. Why do you think the church went to develop everything around what I'd call the lowest common denominator in the sense of, well, we've got some who won't disciple their kids. So we've got to develop the entire program uh, for, you know, because we think the parents won't do it. Why do you think we did that? Why do you think the church did that from a, a programming standpoint? Public education. You think? Yeah. So, so like even, even like the invention of Sunday school was essentially centered, centered around increasing literacy um, for kids, like it was basically teaching English, essentially. But like, so so you have like prior prior to uh, mandatory public education. You know, little Johnny went out and worked on the farm with his daddy all day, and you know maybe they would go to a schoolhouse and have a teacher in the uh, in the off season, you know, or something like that, or maybe a couple of days a week they get some school. But it was basically, you know, you learn reading, writing, and arithmetic, and that's all you need. And then you've got work to do for the rest of your life to feed yourself or whatever. So then, uh, you know, we have, you know, factory. We switched to a factory society, and all of a sudden now you got kids working in the factories. Well, the kids are getting hurt in the factories. So we come up with child labor laws. Well, now little Johnny can't go to work with his daddy anymore at the factory. He's got to sit at home. And guess what? When he sits at home, he tears the house up and drives mom crazy because he doesn't have anything good to do with his energy. So then we decide, well, it would be a good idea if he can't work, at least he can be in school. So then we, we mandate public education. And then modern psychology tells us because of levels of development that we need to age grade the, the uh, education. So then when the church comes to oh, how do we disciple children, well, we just do it the same way that we teach them English or anything else. We'll teach them the Bible in an age-graded way, um, and they can't be in the service with mom and dad because they won't understand what's going on the same way that they can't go to work with dad because they can't be a part of that. So we essentially just patterned modern age-graded children's ministry after society uh, instead of Scripture. Well, is there something... would do you think there is a need for, uh, like you said, age graded? Do you think there's a need? You guys mentioned that you have that. Do you think that there is a need for that? I definitely do. I mean, people are in different places in, in their learning capacity. We may, of course, sell children short with how much they do understand. And also, we may not rise to the challenge to bring it to a level that they can grasp. Uh, but I, I think there's nothing wrong with realizing that there's that developmental process in people's, uh, people's lives. And it doesn't have to be strictly psychology, although I understand what you're, what you're saying. So, but, but I also think it can go to an extreme and, and the issue I see, uh, is that, that parents wanted to farm out their responsibilities they, uh, we moved to a culture, and you're talking about changes in the culture, being in becoming an industrial age. You also mm-hmm. then moved into a situation where both parents are working. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't have the time at home with kids. So they thought, well, these children, they'll have to get the Bible. We can't possibly do that. So we're going to 
let the the professionals, the clergy, we're gonna let which we're teachers. still we're an outsourcing society. I send right. my kids to right. school to get educated. I send them to church to be spiritual. Right. And so as long as I put a roof over their head and food on the table, that's all I really need to do as a parent. I can farm everything else out. Right. And sadly, that's where we are today in a lot of youth and church ministry, our children's ministry, and and I we've seen it for years is that. Basically, it's a babysitting service in a lot of respects, and, and you're glad you have those kids. You want those kids because um, some of them aren't going to hear the gospel any other way. But parents find out that you know you have a kids' class on Wednesday night, and you're going to feed them, and you're going to teach them, and sing with them, and, and play games and whatnot, and and they take advantage of that and use that as babysitting service. And um, we had a tremendous challenge trying to close that gap. Okay, you're going to come and drop your kids off, and 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 we're going to have time with them, but you're never going to darken the door on a Sunday morning. How do we, how, that's the huge challenge that we have as, as a church is how do we bridge that gap to getting mom and dad involved? And when, uh, whenever you guys figure out how that works, please let me know. But that's, that's where we've come to. in a lot of church ministry for children is that it's babysitting service for parents who, who use it that way. I even had, we had somebody, and I don't know who was, working in our children's we we are combined with another church for our children's ministry on Sunday and one of the people that was leading that Sunday and I don't know who it was told one of our volunteers from our church uh your job is just to keep them alive don't worry about it and and uh and luckily it was my mom uh my mom's like no I'm not here to just keep them alive I'm here to teach them Jesus and that's what she did and um uh so I think Derek, you you hit a question, and and that is, well, let me let me back up real quick. The age thing for me personally, I, I think I think it is needed, and the main reason why, and I know in my own life, is that helps you develop your own community. You know, yeah, you have your community with your family, but you know, I think about the guys we grew up with and how we were tight knit and we we grew up together, and and we were you know. We all were crazy at some point, but and still are to a point. But, but it was it created that community within your kids and within your youth and and people you can rely on and, and be with and things. So I think there is an element of from a community standpoint um, that is vital with the the age group. But to continue on with what Derek talked about, how can we? How can we as church leaders and as churches? Uh, and even from a programming standpoint, um, how can we put the ball back in the parents' court? How can we be intentional about putting the ball back in the parents' court of you disciple your children? How can we do that? How can we train our parents and how can we do that? How can we do that well? I think um, there, there's kind of two ways to approach it. You can do it theologically and you can do it practically which i know is what you want but um theologically the problem is is that the the american church is uh they're targeting the wrong group right so so we're starting from a premise that the family is compartmentalized when scripture doesn't do that what do you mean by that so 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 like um the idea of like we're gonna do this event for kids uh, is starting from the wrong place so, like, the idea is, like, okay, the family is a unit. Scripture views family as a unit or a community, like you alluded to. But we don't structure any of our programs that way. We structure them as though there's five components in a family. There's little boy one, little boy two, little girl one, mom and dad. 
So then we structure programs to reach the individual components of the family instead of saying, okay, this is a family unit. How are we doing something that is engaging the whole family? And I don't mean providing activities for the whole family, but I mean actually viewing that family as like one thing that you're trying to reach. So you would push push against like a men's ministry? Uh, I Or a women's ministry? I wouldn't say... Like in every case, I would be against it, but in general, as like a ministry model, yes. Like, like we don't have we don't have a men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry. Like we don't have any of that. We have mom and dad disciple kids at home. We try to support them as much as possible. That's basically our whole philosophy of ministry when it comes to like families, and we try to keep it as simple as possible. So we're not going to do a ton of programs. We're not doing a bunch of events because mom and dad are working. They they don't hardly have five minutes to talk to their kids anyways the last thing they need is 10 hours of volunteer work and everything else at church to try to pull something off and so we're like listen if we can put something in your hand that takes five minutes for you to do with your kids and it at least helps you have conversations with your kids about god that's way better than what you're doing right now and if that's all we can do right now then that's where we're going to kind of focus our time and energy as opposed to having these other things the the other thing is is and we've talked about this before on the podcast is the assumption of who are the people in the church. Well, if the people in the church are believers and the goal is to disciple believers, then that also changes the way that you structure programs too, right? Because if, if the programs are structured around we're trying to reach lost kids and then by providing something entertaining for the lost kids, then we get connected with the parents, we've seen that that model is not effective historically. Now the numbers just don't add up for that. Or to say, you know, we're, we're going to focus our time, our energy, our budget, these things primarily on evangelistic resources instead of equipping the parents. That becomes a problem, too. Not to say that we should never do evangelistic events. But what I'm saying is, is in a lot of churches, if you look at the budget, uh, how many times are you putting a book in mom and dad's hand about parenting or uh, raising kids or having a healthy marriage versus b- filling up the cotton candy machine for VBS? You see what I'm saying? Like budget-wise, usually there's a kind of a disproportionate a yeah, allocation of resources. And I don't think that's intentional. I don't think there's pastors out there that are saying, well, we just don't care about helping families and we just want to fill up the church with lost people. I mean, the only person that does that is Stephen Furtick. But um, like. yeah, he, 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 he doesn't want any of us in his church because we're just spiritually fat. Um, but... So, so fundamentally, theologically, you have to understand, you know, my primary goal with the programs that we do in church is not to reach lost people because ultimately the members are supposed to be reaching lost people. The primary goal of the activities of the church is for the church. And evangelism is an extension of the members, not an extension of the organization, if that makes sense. So then you start from that point theologically, and that affects how you do things practically. So does that mean that you don't do VBS? No. But it might mean that you do VBS like we did, where mom and dad stay with kids the whole time. Right. Of Your whole family is going through VBS together. And look, you're going to do this craft together, which is probably the longest that you've ever had a conversation with your kids. And look, you guys are going to sing these songs and do these hand motions together. And you're going to uh, sit down and eat dinner every night together. And by creating moments like that for the entire family, that's how you're helping strengthen that whole family unit, as opposed to saying mom and dad over here are learning how to be a good mom and dad and Johnny memorized a Bible verse and then they go home and there's still no connection there. Well, my my only pushback with that is, is like we just did Bible school and we had multiple kids who were either foster kids or in group homes. So their parents weren't there. So it would have been, it would have been, 
I think in an, in my mind, and, and I'm all about what you're saying, I think in an ideal world, which is what we strive for, the whole family unit's there, the whole family's on fire, the whole family's strong believers, and the whole, but that's not always the case, right? That's true, but you don't. But, but and I understand from what I said, yeah. we don't go to the lowest. But what I'm saying is, is you don't you don't program based on. But um, you would be excluding. But you would be excluding. Right. So so so, so that so that would be the equivalent of saying um, abortion is okay in the case of uh, rape and incest, right? Because people make that argument, and they said, well, the exception should define the rule. So a lot of people, that's the approach is, is, you know, well, you know, what about this one lost kid that I have that comes that have parents that aren't Christians? What are we going to do for him? Now, I'm not saying ignore him, but what I'm saying is, is he should be the exception in your church because your church should be primarily constituted of Christians if you practice regenerate church membership. So the standard is going to be the Christian family with mom and dad in the home and the kids. And that's what you're building the programming off of. And then if you're having to build some stuff in to help this other kid out, you can do that, but you're doing that from the point of he's the exception, not the rule. Whereas most churches, they, the assumption is mom and dad aren't coming to church. They're dropping the kids off. So we build our programming around those kids instead of setting the expectation of dad needs to man up and actually show up to church and, and disciple his kids uh, and setting kind of that standard uh, as the norm of like, if you're going to be a part of our church, this is our expectation of you is that you're doing these kind of things. And, and I, you know, I can understand that, but I can look back over the course of four decades of ministry and I've had some of those little van kids that you pick up that mom and dad, that some of them didn't know who their dad was. Right. And, and they've contacted me now as adults and talked to me about the difference that the church had made in their life as they've, they've come to Christ. So and I know you're not saying you, yeah, I'm not people, minimizing but, that at all, but, but what, what brings them there is what's going to keep them there. So what we're trying to be much more careful about is not just having events that are, quote, fun, although I'm not opposed to fun, but it's not about pizza parties. It's not about uh, cartoon movies. It's not about all these kinds of, of things. Little Mermaid clowns, Saturday you know, Night what, what, Whatever. <laughs> well, you know, I, and, and again, so, some, shameless self-promotion. Yeah. So, some of it. We don't put pagan deities on I'm, our screens. <laughs> I'm not opposed to, but right, it, when it's right. a constant thing, because right. then, you know, we, we had a little video clip uh, Sunday morning because we need more van drivers on Wednesday nights. And, um, and some of the little children that we pick up, that would not get to hear the gospel at all if we didn't go out and get them. When you ask them, why do you like to come to Pole Creek? They said, I want to learn about God. I want to hear mm-hmm. about Jesus. They're not talking about, well, they have great popcorn, cotton candy over there, or, or a lot of fun or whatever. And so uh, much less segmentation uh, than when you were young, uh, more family integration, more trying to get parents responsible, um, but not neglecting those that their parents aren't coming and hoping that that'll be an inroad to reach mom and dad because ultimately you're only going to get a few uh, that you're actually going to reach if mom and dad doesn't come. But if you can reach the parents, then the whole household could be converted. You can get dad. Especially dad. Yeah. You yeah. can get everybody. That's the yeah. thing. Although stats do show that moms have greater influence upon the children. If dad comes but, to church, though, oh yeah, it's going to dynamic. It's yeah. going to change everything. And, yeah. I, and I understand what you were saying about the exception part, but I also think that it depends on where you're doing ministry. 
And the, and the, well, sure, yeah. For example, Reach Life that we're dealing with, they were doing a big work in Pisgahview. There's not many solid families there. A lot of single mothers. I a lot think. of single mothers. Yeah, no father in the picture. Um, so I think it also so that was their strong thing is is well they they were getting the single moms who were either not a Christian or or were new Christians or growing. And so I think it. You have to. What's well, I think it's a contextualism because, like I said, in a perfect world, you have the mother, father, the kids, and they're all right. loving together, and, and they're all spiritually strong. But I, I think it, so. It's that, progress over perfection, right? right? So, like, it's like Scripture lays out this model for us of like this is what it should be, right? But we have very varying degrees of how close to that we can get, which is what you're alluding to. You know, I can't make dad stand up in a single mom family because there is no dad. So all I can do is try to get them as close to that picture that scripture lays out as possible. Um, And and like the way that, that we've talked about that in our context is the idea of uh, like families adopting kids in the sense of, Hey, if we're doing an event or we're doing something that's family oriented and the kid comes, you guys are basically taking this kid into your family group and essentially being that kid's spiritual parents for the evening and doing that. You know, the biggest thing that I've seen, because kind of the challenge out there, right, is like Derek alluded to his dad. You know, nobody can get dad on board. And so what are we going to do? We're going to grill some meat and invite dad, you know, and dad's not going to come because he doesn't want to grill meat and not drink a beer. And you're a Baptist church. But the 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 thing that i've seen is is there's a lot of dads my like my age right like like 30s that if you really have an honest heart to heart with them they're like i want to disciple my kids i have no idea how to do that like what's step one of me actually teaching my kids anything about god because i never had a man in my life disciple me like i was fortunate and my dad actually read the bible at home and talked to us about god and took us to church but most guys in my generation, that's not the case for them. And so you've got guys, and, and the problem is, is we'll sit, they'll sit in church and in the pulpit, they'll get preached at about, you know, parents need to be the primary disciple makers of their children, but they're sitting there going, what's step one? Like, okay, like I'm willing to do that. How do you even do that? And so one of the things we had to think about in our churches is, is what is, how do you put a handle on that? If I have this dad come in, who says, like, listen, I barely know anything about God. I've never been discipled in my life. How do I do this? What what do I do with that guy to get him to where he's started? Hmm. You know, because the thing I've seen is most often it's not that parents are unwilling. They just they don't know how to do any of it. Well, and I, I think and you you guys did it, I know, and we're, we're trying to go down that path. But, you know, you need godly fathers to put their arms around the young fathers and and that's where i think it's okay that is too and in that situation you know hey let's let's Mm -hmm. go to have a cookout there's three or four of us together let's let's eat together let's let's do a bible study together and and so that's where i think that modeling small small groups of men and women it can be done but but the thing i've seen and we talked about this in a previous episode too is that in in my limited experience um, those things are way more effective when they're organic. Like it's way better for me to text six guys at church right oh, now yeah. and be like, Hey man, let's go get wings Thursday night. Then it is to say, this is our men's ministry. And once a month we're doing this cookout at this thing, because there's something about that kind of programmed aspect, especially the younger generation. We're very anti-institutional. And so when we something see something organized like that, 
most of your dads are like, no, it's a trap. That's a bait and switch. You know what I mean? They're going to lock the door and then try to get me to like sign up to join the church or something. Whereas if it's just a casual like, hey, man, we're going to Wild Wing, you know, you'll get all kinds of guys that'll show up to that because it's just an organic like, hey, we're just guys. And if we talk about God, it's just because we love God. It's not because we have some agenda to try to rope you into something. But in the church, you can do small groups. and, And I think in the home, as opposed to a more institutional setting, we found to be much more effective, whether it be men or women. Right. Yeah. So a lot to think on, a lot to ponder. And um, we'd love to, I'd love to hear how your church does uh, family ministry. And uh, because it is, it is a challenge in in today's society, but it it is the goal to see the family uh, worshiping God together. Ben mentioned the generations of grace uh, curriculum. Uh, Obviously the gospel project um, is, is a a solid one that our church uses. And another one that, um, that I've, I've purchased for our group. We haven't got them yet, but uh, it's called gospel basics for kids. It's from Soma Church, uh, Jeff Interstelt. Um, it's it's top notch stuff, and so um, that the whole family can do devotions, and so and I, the Gospel Project has, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's got discussion questions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. discussion questions one. and things of that nature. Yeah. And uh, if you are um, North Carolina Baptist, uh, Mark Smith, and the what is it, the North Carolina families, uh, Faith at Home, Faith at yeah. Home, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great resources. Mark is a is a great guy. I've actually met with him several times, and um, he has a lot of great resources. Does some great training. And um, so he's yeah. If you're if you're a Southern Baptist in North Carolina, there's a there's a whole team. Amen. There's a whole team called Faith at Home. If you're not familiar, you can go to ncbaptist.org and look up the Faith at Home section there. They've got a whole team there, and they do training events called Scorecard events, which I've been to, which are excellent. They've got all kinds of resources. Uh, Mark and his team are very accessible. I mean, you can call them, you can email them. Um, and so it's it's a great resource that our state convention has and so even if you're at a situation where you're thinking about making some changes in your ministry model um, they're extremely helpful with that and mark came out of being a a youth pastor in a church that did that and so he's got hands-on field experience in doing that and um, i've i've also spent a lot of time with him personally uh and uh he's he's a great resource uh, and he does a great for job that. for uh, grandparents too but anyway yeah. grandparents are part of the process too. that's true so anyway a lot to think about have a good one you can continue the conversation online by visiting us on facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review they look at me funny when i talk like i got a speech impediment homie check my passport heaven i'm a resident like a conscious rapper but do more than master president i see brothers coughing so i hit them with the medicine on the other side they say their grass is greener seen the forecast man they calling for katrina